there, we're your IP consultants. This is about to be highly indulgent, so sit back and unpack your anti-convulsants, and we'll tell you where to shove your Stanleys and Vulcans. We'll use this device for unsolicited advice. You didn't ask us for it, but you can't beat the price. We offer up our services from the U.S. to Sweden. We're your IP consultants, Vincent and Ian. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of IP Consultants Podcast. We are your IP consultants. My name is Ian. His name is Vincent. Say hello, Vincent. Hello. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, we, I'm sorry. I like to... saying things directly. <laughs> right. And we're, we're here to give unsolicited advice, basically, to major media corporations on how to take care of their uh, intellectual properties in a way. Not that just is... take care, but how to, in our completely unbiased and unsolicited opinions how to improve these properties because we see a lot of these properties these a lot of these nerd properties these genre properties and we see how they're failing how they're not doing well and we know or how they're doing well but could improve on things absolutely and we know with our combined experience how much more they could be improved yes our, and our that's experience what we're doing. of watching movies exactly our experience of being people who like nerdy things <laughs> this is this is going to be completely not only unsolicited but highly unprofessional yes exactly <laughs> we have no idea what we're talking about except for the fact that we watch movies and have opinions about them exactly so you know this is right up front we're going to let you know that we the IP consultants don't know what we're doing, but this is our unsolicited advice. Yes, exactly. I guess we, we'll just jump into the topic of this first episode. Yeah. So for the first episode, we are talking about the DC movie universe, which uh, briefly, uh, <laughs> I say briefly, and it was about five years that everyone was calling it the DCEU, the DC Extended Universe. Well, everyone except for them. Uh, except for DC. DC was the only one not calling it that. And they I weren't think it calling started it anything. with a journalist? Yeah, I believe it did. And, uh, and, and now DC has officially released the name of their movie universe as Worlds of DC. Which is a good move. Let's, let's just take a moment to appreciate that they made a good Absolutely. decision here. Because we're, we're not going to be biased and say that every decision they make is bad. They make bad decisions. No, no. They also make good decisions. And we should, we should yes. definitely acknowledge that DC has a history of mixed decisions. Mixed decisions is probably the best and most accurate way of putting that, absolutely. I'm not a person who hates everything that DC puts out, absolutely. Me, I, me neither. I, I'm, I do see I'm in that fact, there I, are... I would say I grew up more of a DC fan than a Marvel fan. There were a couple of Marvel properties that I like was, as a kid, a fan of, but DC, I was fan of the universe, and I was reading Absolutely. mainly 70s comics because they were hand-me-downs. And there was also nearby the only comic book store was a used bookstore that also carried old comics. And the big Excellent. comic boom in, in Sweden was in the 70s. I live in Sweden. So, <laughs> uh, so a lot of the comics that I read as a kid were DC comics from the 70s specifically. So uh, that's my era of DC. And then I got into the cartoons, obviously, as well. So that's also some of, uh, something I'm a big fan of. The the uh, I guess you'd call it the DCAU. Uh, if it's the '90s shows, and that then yes, that is the DC animated universe. Yeah, yes. that's that's something I got 
you're talking you're uh, talking about like the later Justice League cartoons and the Superman animated series and stuff yes, like and that. Yes, Batman and Beyond. I, you're you're now making me realize how much older than you that I that <laughs> I am because when I was a kid and I got into DC, it was with the Superpowers uh, action figures and the Superpowers and Super Friends cartoons I that were not, on TV. I uh, did grow up affording a lot of action figures. Uh, <laughs> I was happy to achieve limited amounts of Lego every once in a while and. And uh, I was <laughs> fine with that. Uh, there wasn't Lego Batman when I was a kid. Um, no, no. No, they had Lego Pirates. They had Lego uh, Ice Robin Planet. Hood type thing. Yeah, and uh, but they, 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 the, the Lego things weren't getting into licensed properties. Right, now we're already off topic. Actually, kind of not, because Warner Brothers produces the Lego movies, that and one they, of the best DC movies they did recently was Lego, Lego Batman. Batman. Yes. Absolutely. That's, that, <laughs> so I, we're kind I of on topic yeah. Uh, so so back to back to DC. Uh, so they they've been trying to build a DC universe kind of after the in in the wake of the Nolan movies, which I have mixed opinions of. There are some real highlights in those three movies and there are some real lows uh, for me. personally. Yeah. Uh, there are moments no, no, where I, I feel like this isn't Batman, and there are moments where I'm like, yes, that's the Joker. There's, it's, it's a lot of push and pull of that. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, and I, I completely agree with that. But I think DC's filmic universe, where they're trying to, for lack of a better way of saying it, play catch up. With Marvel that started with began, Man of Steel. Again with Man of Steel, absolutely. And in my personal opinion, that was a severe miss. I agree. I would agree. And I would add to that, viewing that movie in a vacuum, separated from any knowledge of Superman, I would point to that movie and go, it's fine. But knowing yeah. anything at all about Superman as a character, I find that movie completely on the wrong track. And I think I think I would describe that movie as a great movie for people who hate Superman. Um, Absolutely. I completely 100 percent agree with because that. I think because. that movie did a really good job of convincing people who ha are predisposed to dislike Superman to like Superman because he fits their idea of a hero as opposed to the Superman idea of a hero, which but, I think is a more interesting concept. Well, here's the thing is Zack Snyder wanted to make a modern version of Superman because he's like, well, in today's society, Superman would not be this Boy Scout. He wouldn't be this always smiling hero. And we're like, wait a second, we're going to call bullshit on that because we're reading Superman right now. And that's exactly what he still is. Exactly. So and, to try and, to make him something that he's not, try to make this thing that doesn't fit his character, the only moment we actually get Superman that we expect is at the end of the damn Justice League movie. But well, we're not there yet. Yes. Uh, well, I completely agree with you on that point. I think we're going to be agreeing a lot. We don't know each other very well, by the way. I should tell this to our <laughs> listeners. We are like casual acquaintances on Facebook, and that's about it. Uh, we, we know each other through mutual friends in a very small music community. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> we're both we're both musicians of a kind. Yeah. And we both realize that we have an affinity for a lot of pop culture. And Vincent came to me and said, hey, I have this idea for a podcast. And I'm like, I'm totally game. So here we are. But anyway, enough backstory on us. <laughs> so so uh, I would say that the like the key moments in Man of Steel where it falls apart is one. 
I mean, this is when I say one, I mean in in order of appearance, not in order of uh, importance. Things wrong. I would say the the first thing that's wrong with Man of Steel is the look of it. it it's very dark. It's very blue. It's so oversaturated. It's, it's, they they drain well, it's, the it's, color it's out of saturated. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's oh, very, that's what I it's, meant. They, it's grayish blue and dark, and it, it feels like it's cold. And even scenes where you like you need some warm light, and where it would make perfect sense for there to be warm light. It's like, nope, it's dark and cold. And Zack Snyder wanted to make Superman Batman. Yeah. And that's the mistake. You can't make you can't make that character grimdark. It doesn't doesn't work. work. So go ahead with your thing. I'll have the, my complaint. The, the kind of second <laughs> major thing, other than adding a bunch of unnecessary elements of backstory that don't really connect with the character. Uh, mm. There's a key moment, I would say, is when Jonathan Kent is telling Clark Kent that uh, maybe you should have let those kids on that bus die. Yeah. Yeah. That was about to be the point I was uh, going to utter and stopped myself because holy crap, Jonathan Kent at all in that movie. Yeah. Uh, and then... After that, we see Jonathan Kent again, his moment of there's, a, there's a dog, right? Is there a dog in the situation? There's a there's wind and there's a dog, I think. There's a tornado. Right. And I, I think there's Kansas. a dog. And I think, I think there's a dog or somebody in, in, in the thing. And, and I think, he, I think Jonathan Clark, goes back and, Clark and, and offers saves to, this thing. Clark, Clark offers to help. And Jonathan is like, no, because they're going to know. And it's no, they, they're not even paying attention. Like, there's no reason to say that, first of all. Right. And then, and then he basically refuses to let Clark do anything, and he goes right into the danger where he knows he's going to fucking die. And he's like, no, don't save me. I'm going to die. And then he dies. Right. <laughs> it's like, there's... There's no logic to that moment at all. Basically, Jonathan Kent in Man of Steel is a hyper-paranoid sociopath. He is also a representation, in a way, of Ayn Rand philosophy. Because uh, <laughs> there's this idea of, like, don't help anyone. Don't help. Yes. Stop helping. Helping is bad. Be Just worry about yourself. Don't help. He's and, got a copy of the Fountainhead right by his bedside that's autographed. That yeah, he reads the funny every thing night. is I found out Zack Snyder, and, and this is after I've been saying this for years, that it's very Ayn Randy in that movie. Zack Snyder wants to make a movie of the Fountainhead. He has said as much. And I am not surprised, but I am... I'm like, how did that guy get to make a Superman movie? Because, like, that philosophy aligns 100% with Lex Luthor, not with Superman. No, no. So the idea of someone with the philosophy of Lex Luthor making a Superman movie, it's like like if Lex Luthor made a movie to convince people why Superman is someone not to be trusted. Uh, It's like a propaganda (laughs) film made by Lex Luthor. Yeah, Man of Steel is the 100% anti-Superman movie, which <laughs> you're exactly right. It's exi- as if Lex Luthor made a Superman movie and why you should fear him and why he's not a good guy. And naturally, the only movie we could get from Man of Steel, from the way that Superman is presented in that movie, is Batman versus Superman. Right. Yes. You know, because that's the only logical follow-up. You've got this and, and even then, entirely too powerful being who's not really helping people, demolishes a goddamn city in his fight with Zod. Yes. And, and then snaps the, his neck. And, and, then and snaps his neck. And then kisses someone and, over the rubble. Yeah, uh, <laughs> because there's totally a relationship that developed there. Um, yeah. 
That didn't come out of nowhere. Uh, so, so the only logical movie you can have after that steaming pile is Batman versus Superman. And yet, and still, that movie managed to not make any sense at all. Even, no, even with that setup a, of like, okay, with this mess of a movie, let's build a Batman v Superman. Like you could build that on top of that. It wouldn't be Superman in any meaningful sense, but you could still do Batman in a meaningful sense yeah. going up against that version of Superman. And he proceeds to fuck up Batman as well. Not as badly, though, I don't feel. I, and I feel badly I a lot of people... because there are a couple of key things that he does. One is killing people. Two is using guns. And those are oh, like yeah, the this, two this, things this, that this Batman up, doesn't straight do. Straight up murder is definitely, but I think and also not this think. movie kind of validates it a little bit in that it's Batman past his prime to a point where he's like, screw it. You know what? You guys are not going to listen to me. I'm going to end up killing them. Even Which then, is I, not good. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would I would say uh, an example of a of a Batman who has been through what that Batman has been through and didn't end up being that person. There is, of course, the Red Hood storyline, which was turned into an animated film called Under the Red Under Hood, the Red Hood which, which is great with uh, John DiMaggio as as Joker. Yes, and uh, Bruce Greenwood as as Batman, Batman and uh, I believe Nightwing was played by Neil Patrick Jensen Harris. Eichel. No, Jensen Jensen played Jensen Eichel. He played the Red Hood. Oh no, he played. Yeah, he played the he played the Red Hood. You're right. Nightwing was was Neil Patrick Harris. Yes. You're right. So that film, uh, great film, animated movie. If we didn't say that, yes, it's an animated film. It's it's uh, it's good, and it and it all is like based entirely around a central conflict between Batman and the Red Hood about the idea of revenge and killing people, <laughs> and this whole idea of like Batman will not even after Robin has been beaten to death with a crowbar, even after that, Batman refuses to consider the possibility of killing someone, and he explains it, and and also there's this idea of like Batman's trauma and all of that stuff that drives him, and all of that makes the character a rich and interesting, fully developed character, and when you take that away from him, and when you go, oh yeah, Robin was killed, and we've of course found out from uh, Zack Snyder's sins that that Robin wasn't even Jason Todd. It was Dick Grayson who was killed. Mm. So because he was killed, Batman is now not Batman anymore, essentially, uh, psychologically. He's like, a different character. Yeah, exactly. And and to me, like, if you're going to make a movie about a, like, vigilante who goes around killing people and and brands them and, and does all this shit, like, make a Punisher movie. Like, that's who the Punisher <laughs> is. That's not who Batman is. That's, that's why we have different characters. Of course, the Punisher is not a DC character and Zack Snyder was working for DC and, and DC were trying to make a Batman movie and blah 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 but like invent a new character then or pick any Punisher-like character who might exist in the DC universe because I'm sure there are tons that I'm not even thinking of. But the, the reason they did that was twofold. Number one, it was the whole point of trying to make what they felt was a logical follow-up to Man of Steel because they wanted Man of Steel to be part of this quote-unquote franchise that they were building. And two, they're trying to get everyone together to make a Justice League movie. Right. And, and so they're trying to cram everything into three movies and, as and, fast as possible and this so that they empath. can catch up to Marvel's production. And there was such a thing they could have done at this point, uh, which is because they've established such a non-Superman Superman, what they could have done was they could have done, I don't know if you're familiar enough with the Justice League cartoon to remember the episode A Better World, I think it was called. I think it was a two-parter. I'm not sure about that. It might have been just 
I watched I watched Batman and Superman, and I ended actually never really watched much of the Justice League cartoon. Oh, it's a great show. Oh, I, I keep hearing it's a great show. It's just something that slipped by me. So I, I would say Batman in Justice League. I mean, the cartoon Justice League and Justice League Unlimited is even more fully developed than in Batman the Animated Series. I would I would say because there's more of an arc and stuff. Absolutely. Okay. Because obviously Batman the Animated Series is very episodic. It's very sort of this story and then this story. And it's a lot like he's being a detective and solving mysteries, which is a big thing of Batman. But also in Justice League, we get more of a character arc. and You more get more action. of a through line. Yeah. So you get to follow the character more and get more in depth on the character. But in Justice League, there was an episode or two-parter called A Better World, where it starts with a scene of, I think Lex Luthor is president and Clark is in his, uh, well, he's he's Superman. He's Superman is in his office office in the, the oval office and he's basically berating him or whatever and then he just straight up kills him and then we find out this was a parallel universe and then we end up in a conflict between a justice league gone bad in one universe and a better justice league in the main uh, dc animated universe and there's this clash between two justice leagues this has also been done in another uh, in an animated movie they did crisis on two earths uh, yeah where there was the justice league and then there was the i think it was the crime syndicate or one of the other evil versions of the justice league they came into conflict and it all ended with a showdown between Batman and Owlman. They've done it in video games, too, with the whole Injustice series. Yeah, and obviously they've done crisis events in comics and stuff. So that's a thing they could have done around that time to fix the DC Universe instead of doing to, that to movie fix, Superman. Or- to at least fix the one movie they had put out, which was Man of Steel. <laughs> right, yeah. Or they could have ended Batman v Superman a little differently and then led that into Justice and League of Better World. And maybe not cram uh, Wonder Woman in Batman v Superman or the little snippets towards Flash and Aquaman and Cyborg. Which, by the way, Wonder Woman, great movie. Wonder Woman, fantastic movie. I mean, yes, okay, it's the Captain America movie, just a war earlier, but But it works. But it absolutely works. And, you know, the Captain America movie works, so why not copy that format? But no, the Wonder Woman actually has a lot more to it beyond it being a relative clone of the Captain America movie. But I think Wonder Woman is something we both agree on is that movie's great and fine and you don't really need to change anything about it yeah no i've definitely heard other than people, the other than the cg third act <laughs> yeah there's some stuff in the third act but i think i think the movie sort of does enough with it it's fine i don't think you need yeah, exactly. it, it's not like it needs fixing it's like yeah it's not a perfect third act but it's fine and i i like the conversation between wonder woman and was it aries aries with his still human mustache yeah i would actually have preferred him in his full human form the whole time i thought making him a big <laughs> knight in shining armor or non shining wrinkly armor i think that kind of diminished the character a bit because he's he's a god he doesn't need to look like that like he could just look like yeah. the guy with the mustache it's it's fine that to me is more interesting visually well i think i think they kind of wanted to give him sort of his quote-unquote classic comic look right and Ares in the comics is super armored up, well, but he's true. also not like, you know, all of that. You could have done that a little bit more practically and not made it all CG, yeah. which made it look like I'm watching the end of a video game. Yeah. But again, these are minor issues. Minor quibbles. Nothing with that really ruins the movie. I really exactly. like the movie. Um, exactly. And then, uh, well, of course, Suicide Squad was just a mess. Here's here's a thing that is an unpopular opinion. I recognize that Suicide Squad is a mess of a movie. I still have fun with it. I I still find it enjoyable. I don't find it good. I didn't find it enjoyable, but I didn't find it. (laughs) I didn't find it to be an insult to its own concept the way uh, Man of Of Steel and Batman v Superman were. 
that movie that movie has four different openings. <laughs> yeah, four and, different and it, character intros for each character, and it rushes through them. Um, <laughs> and it and yet somehow still rushes through them. Uh, we're introduced to Slipknot without one of those introductions, and we're like, well, clearly he's cannon fodder, yeah. and then he immediately becomes cannon fodder. Yep. Spoiler alert for people in case you haven't seen this for some reason and decided to listen to this podcast, but I think Suicide Squad was trying to desperately do what Guardians of the Galaxy had just did, and even with the, like the music selection through the movie. Yeah. And it was such a mishmash of everything because it didn't have a solid idea because they were like, well, the Joker's going to be the villain. Well, People are kind of reacting badly to the Joker look and everything. Maybe we'll make the Enchantress the villain instead. And it just, it fell apart. But at the same time, there are still some characterizations in that that are quality. And I think that's more because of the actors behind it. Harley Quinn and Deadshot are really the only fleshed out characters in the movie. And it shows because you actually kind of are interested in them. Yeah, as as much as I'm not a fan of the idea of uh, Harley Quinn without the Harlequin hat, yeah. Uh, setting that aside, I thought the characterizations of Harley and Deadshot were fine. Yeah, exactly. Not not really and anything offensive to me <laughs> as a comic book <laughs> fan or cartoon fan. Likewise, likewise. And uh, one of those things that is irritating about both Suicide Squad and Batman v Superman is that both of those movies have an extended cut of the films that actually make the movies make a little bit more sense. Not I've a lot. only seen the extended cut of Batman v Superman, and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, So I can only imagine how bad this shorter cut was. The shorter cut absolutely makes very little sense because, say, for example, in the scene where Superman finally realizes that the wheelchair is a bomb and everything blows up and... He in the extended cut, he sticks around a little bit and starts helping people out of there and and, you know, rescuing people like Superman would in the theatrical cut. The place blows up and he flies away immediately. Please, audience, note the amount of hang time between what I said and Vincent's reaction. Yeah. So moving on. (laughs) Uh, We were in Suicide Squad uh, and and the extended cut of Suicide Squad gives us a little bit more Joker and Harley backstory, which for comic fans is unnecessary. But for movie fans who are experiencing these characters for the first time. It added a little bit of a layer of understanding, but at the same time, it didn't. <laughs> I don't know was, which cut of Suicide was, Squad I saw, actually. Uh, it was more, it seemed to be more fan service pandering than anything else. The extended cut of Suicide Squad doesn't really add anything to the original cut. Oh, I did watch the extended it. cut. I just looked into my backlog of what I've watched, and I have seen the extended cut of Suicide Squad. So I guess that's what I saw in both cases. Yeah, and it, which is, honestly, I kind of prefer the theatrical cut of that movie. Mm. Both of them, again, not great movies, but still ones I had fun with and enjoyed. But, you know, the extended version of Suicide Squad is just kind of overlong, whereas the extended cut of Batman versus Superman is overlong. But at least some things are slightly more understandable, which is terrible because you shouldn't have to go to an extended cut of your movie on Blu-ray after it's already hit theaters to understand the movie. By the, the way, movies in theaters should be the definitive version. And yeah. studios and directors tend to not agree on that shit. So true. 
I have a question, uh, glossary-wise, because this is something that's going to come up a lot when we start talking about reboots and prequels and spin-offs and legacy and all of these terms. Et cetera, that are et cetera. Yes. What is the opposite of an extended cut? Is it a pixie cut? <laughs> uh, the technical opposite of extended cut is the theatrical cut. Well, I mean, or I mean, if if, if the theatrical cut is the theatrical well, cut. <laughs> well, I mean, if the director's cut is shorter than the theatrical cut. Well, then it's just the director's version. It's just right. the director's cut. Yeah, because there have been. Well, what do you call the airplane cut? Is that a pixie cut? <laughs> you call it the airplane cut, right? I don't yeah, think I'm, I'm really trying to make cut. pixie cut a thing, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> I think really the only thing that you can call a pixie cut would be the director's cut of a Tinkerbell movie. Mm, true. I'll buy that. <laughs> well, I mean, I won't I won't buy a director's cut no, of a Tinkerbell movie no, unless no, it's but... a just unless somebody comes around and just makes a really good Tinkerbell movie, then maybe. But that has not happened as of yet or as far as I know. I don't know. Have they been making Tinkerbell movies this whole time and I haven't seen them and they're great? They are direct to video and they are animated and uh, I haven't right. watched them. Those so are I... not. Deal breakers for me. I watch a lot of directed video animated DC movies. Oh no, I've enjoyed. I'm not saying I'm not saying they're deal breakers. I'm just saying that's the only way they've been released. They have been making lots of Tinkerbell movies, right? And none of them have been theatrical. They are just Mm. straight to video. Uh, Maybe maybe I should uh, look into those and we'll do an episode on on Tinkerbell (laughs) movies and and what they should do. We'll we'll leave that one up to the audience at the end of the show. Because I don't want to do Tinkerbell, and now that I've said that, they're going to vote for that. Right. Cool. All right. Uh, so <laughs> but after, anyway. Are we still on Suicide Squad? I think we're done with Suicide Squad. Okay, so after Suicide Squad was Wonder Woman, which we've pretty much covered in that they nailed it. There were a couple of minor issues, nothing major, nothing that needs fixing, really. Exactly. Right. And then after Wonder Woman was Justice League. I would classify Justice League as a course correction that sort of worked, but it's like... A course it's, correction that happens during the movie. Yeah. Not, and it's, not it's because cover, of yeah. the previous movies. It's covered in scotch tape. I enjoyed Justice League. But the entire time I was acknowledging that th- I'm watching a movie covered in scotch tape. It's, oh, yeah. It's, it's OK. <laughs> it's very easy to tell. It's very easy to tell yeah. what scenes were directed by Zack Snyder and what scenes were directed by Joss Whedon. Yeah, it's also certain moments are very clear that they were written by Joss Whedon because they have very certain, certain Whedonism, both, is... both in dialogue and in morality. I would say there are some moral and, philosophy and in, in there that, yeah, there are a couple of moments that I would say are Joss Whedon moments to a fault. And there are a couple of moments that I would say are are definitely needed to Joss Whedon moments. I, I happen oh, yeah, to be absolutely. I happen to be someone who who really uh, typically appreciates the work of Joss Whedon, but acknowledges that he's not perfect. Uh, oh, he he, he has shortcomings. He has hangups. He has personal issues. Uh, but I think he's problematic in many more ways than can be expressed in a single podcast. Right. Uh, but I do enjoy a lot of Joss Whedon's work. I would consider Same. myself a fan with caveats. Fan yeah. with caveats uh, works for me as well. Uh, there are a couple of moments that I would say are extremely Whedon-y that are extremely good. One of mm-hmm. those moments that I, I just would say, like, is the most DC moment in one of these movies, except for Wonder Woman uh, so far. Like, one of the dc moments in any of the Zack Snyder DC movies, so to speak, would be when the Flash says to Batman, but I'm, I'm not I'm not a hero. 
And then Batman says, save one person. And then The Flash says, and then what? And then Batman says, and then you'll know. That moment is extremely Joss Whedon. And it's extremely- Very much so. And it's extreme. It's it's like, that's 100%. That's what Batman would say in that moment. That's what this version of The Flash, I'm by that this this young Flash would say this. Uh, this is a Because dial- we finally had somebody writing it who understood the character. Yeah. Like that moment to me is the most important moment in that movie, or one of the most important moments in that movie, possibly the, certainly the most memorable for me. Uh, in that I remember the lines probably word for word. Um, uh, I I love that moment. It is to me. Oh, it's great. Definitely one of the highlights of the DC Snyderverse. Uh, yeah. So far. Um, so here's the here's the thing. I saw Justice League in theaters because, and I saw it by myself because a no one would go with me, and b I have this serious affliction where if it's based on a comic book. I have to see it. Right. It's just what I do. I, so I have like, a yes, similar affliction, although I've managed to miss a few things. Um, typically, I, I, go, I, 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 I either go see it or I watch it later. And this one I watched I a little later. Tend to, I don't tend to own everything. I tend to own most things, but I will say I do not own Man of Steel. But that said, I saw Justice League in the theaters and I didn't hate it. I really actually was entertained by it. I and all of the my same friends thing. really hated it, really just said it was an absolute piece of shit and didn't like it. Because I went in there with completely super low expectations and came out a little surprised by it, yeah. uh, by how much of parts of it that I really enjoyed. Damn. And then I watched it again right after watching Infinity War. And in my second viewing of it, I enjoyed it less. And I don't know if that's clouded by the fact that I had just seen Infinity War the day before or if because I was able to kind of like not be in the theater environment and just kind of be seeing it at home and and listening to the dialogue a little more closely and going not a lot of this works and it's it you're like you're like you said it is totally held together by duct tape and well, I said scotch tape but yes <laughs> scotch tape duct tape it's cello tape everywhere bits of glue dripping off of it uh somebody put a piece of gum in there it's just held together with with sticky stuff and hope yep uh and it's (laughs) and and because of that is the most important part of it (laughs) absolutely because that's where we get superman from um (laughs) but honestly we finally kind of do get superman and we finally kind of do and that's and that's one of the great moments of that movie and everybody can talk endlessly about how terrible the cg is on henry cavill's face trying to get rid of that mustache we know that stuff honestly it was noticeable, but it didn't pull me 100% out of the movie. What pulled me 100% out of the movie was the tonal shifts between this is clearly a Zack Snyder directed scene. This is clearly a Joss Whedon directed scene Yeah, because I'm one of those overly analytical pricks who notices and comments on bullshit like that. Yeah, the thing is, and I, also, I, I, went, I went into it completely expecting those shifts and I, I got them. I got exactly what uh-huh. I expected with in terms of those jumping from style to style. But I could feel like, oh, this is where this needed to happen. This is where this need. Oh, this one was unnecessary. This one was... Okay, and it's like overall, I accept that it was necessary, given the fact that I assume that the movie wouldn't have worked otherwise, because I've seen the previous two Zack Snyder DC movies and they didn't work. Exactly. And here's the thing. There are so many people complaining and asking for 
the Zack Snyder cut. Yeah, that doesn't exist. Of, 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 of Justice League. And that's a thing that does not exist. Yeah, there, there, there is no there, Zack Snyder cut. There was an assembly cut, and the assembly cut is unwatchable because that's what an assembly cut is. It's an unwatchable yes. piece of everything just in a pile it's, in, it's, in chronological order. It's everything we've shot so far. An assembly cut is here's everything we've shot so far so we know what scenes we need to put in to finish the movie. Yeah. And that's what Joss Whedon was brought in for. Yeah. And he was also brought in for because, honestly, let's get down to brass tacks here. He was brought in because he did the Avengers and they wanted Justice League to be their Avengers. Yeah, they wanted it at least to work. <clears throat> he, he was brought in because at least one person at Warner Brothers was going, you know what, guys, uh, Snyder's done these first two movies. And w- yes, they have done really well theatrically. Uh, they've made us money, but the fans don't like them. So maybe we should have somebody well, who knows Zack characters. Snyder oh, fans yeah. like them. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, here's the Superman thing. and Batman fans was, don't. <laughs> no, exactly. I, I am a somewhat Zack Snyder fan. I love his previous work. Uh, with some caveats. His Dawn of the Dead remake. I, I have love not that. seen it. I love that movie. I love 300. Um, I, I have seen I, that. I thought it was okay. <clears throat> I, I thought it was very I, stylish. 300 is where we got the Zack Snyder style, which is let's have a slow motion moment during a fight scene and have all the fights be extremely over choreographed. And that's kind of what brought and everything's very Watchmen visual down. Yeah. And everything's it's, all about, very it's all about moments and not necessarily about earning them. <laughs> exactly. And that's what brought Watchmen down. And I enjoy Watchmen, I actually prefer the ending of the movie to the comic slightly, only because the movie doesn't earn the comic ending. Right, I have not the, seen it. The comic ending makes sense for the comic, the movie ending makes sense for the movie, because we don't have the overarching layer of the Black Freighter comics. Uh, I, I did not watch Watchmen, and the reason isn't because of Zack Snyder, because at the time, I, I had, I'd seen 300, I thought it was fine, I didn't have a problem with Zack Snyder at the time, but I didn't watch Watchmen because I had read Watchmen and my thought was, yeah, I don't need a movie of that. That's it's fine as a comic. Like I don't I don't really need that in a different medium because I felt like it used the medium to such an extent that like if you're gonna make a movie that even comes close to doing what Watchmen did for comics you got to make it a movie that it. does for movies what it did for comics. And in order to do that, you can't really make Watchmen. Like, it's got to be something else. Yeah. So the Watchmen They're, of movies would be a movie built around the concept of, of what a movie is and not built around a comp. Like, it doesn't, it, to me, the idea of a Watchmen movie is just nonsense. Like, I I, I didn't watch it, it And even reason. a Watchmen series, which they are doing. Y- yeah. Uh, and isn't Which, isn't it honest, Damon Lindelof doing it? Yeah, yeah. Damon Lindelof is a writer I have thoughts about, and I'm sure we'll get into it. <laughs> and but this is but this is this is side DC. We're getting off topic once yeah, again that's here. Yeah, where to go. But anyway, regardless, I had been a fan of, of Zack Snyder prior to his DC workings, and his DC workings have made me not a fan right. of his. Yeah, and my, uh, I I would say that the something similar happened for me with David Goyer, um, because my yeah, because because I used to think like, oh, David Goyer's got some credits on some things I I find fine or good even or even great in a couple of cases but then it became more and more clear to me through both his continued work with dc and his statements that this is not a person i i like (laughs) 
just don't it's like. Not a person things. I like. It's not a person who actually likes comic books, or, which we should fa- have realized. Or fans of comic books. Or fans of comic books, which we should have realized with Blade Three. I did not see Blade Three. I did not see Blade One. I've been meaning to watch the Blade movies, but now that I don't like David Goyer, I find myself less. Well, here's the thing: to. Blade One and Two are fantastic movies. Blade Three is if you like watching train wrecks. Mm, well, sometimes I do. Is it Bl- Blade Three is? I did watch Blade the series, which was also David Goyer, I think. Uh, uh, yeah, with I, have, I, have, I have the the DVD of that over here, which I've not watched all of. But yeah, with Sticky Fingers as Blade. Yeah, I would <clears throat> I would characterize David Goyer as he's capable of writing scenes, but and even constructing plots and all that stuff. But there's never any like meaning to it. It's just like, oh, this is cool. Wouldn't it? Be yeah, cool? that's exactly what it is. All it is 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 this will look cool. This yeah. will be a cool scene. And the beauty of the tragedy of Blade Trinity is the fact that the movie is imploding from inside. Mm. Uh, well, that that <laughs> the, sounds, the movie, sounds like an interesting movie. Uh, if you know the backstory of Blade Trinity, it makes it a lot more watchable. Mm. because basically Wesley Snipes did not like what David Goyer was doing as a director and wanted to be referred to only as Blade, (laughs) would not come will not come out of his trailer for shots. So the majority of Wesley Snipes in that movie isn't Wesley Snipes. It's his stunt double. Oh, That's I why you barely remember hearing about post. him not wanting to come out of his trailer. That sounds familiar. Yeah, he I basically like he basically sat in his trailer and smoked weed most of the filming, which only made him more paranoid about the director for some reason. For some reason. So, yeah. so uh, Patton Oswalt gives this great story behind the making of Blade Trinity. And if you watch that movie without knowing this, you're like, wow, Blade's kind of barely in this. And then you watch that movie knowing the backstory and you're like, oh shit, now I'm just going to sit here and point out which are actually Wesley Snipes and which are actually the stunt double because there's barely any close-ups. And Ryan Reynolds in that movie as Solomon King is basically auditioning to be Deadpool. Yeah, that's that's also what I heard. He was doing that role and somebody basically came up to him and went, hey, you should be playing Deadpool. I yeah, think it was even it might Dead- even have been David Goyer. I believe it was. And like so gave th- him Deadpool thanks comics, David Goyer for doing one good thing. <laughs> at least there, we got that from it. But he's basically playing him in Blade as Solomon King, which is not that character at all, but very Ryan Reynolds. Hmm. But they're, that's Marvel. It's, but that yeah but i mean like but that's marvel that's off topic again but kind of on topic because we were talking about david goyer true but back to where we were so we've gone through dc's worlds of dc movies they've got got, they've got a few lined up um they've got got aquaman Aquaman, shazam joker wonder woman 1984 and birds of prey and and harley and joker that's not listed on this page that i've got but uh that might also be true uh we never really know with dc because they keep putting things on the slate and taking things off the slate and putting things on the slate yeah, and taking things off. And, we, and, we and had, one moment they a, got Henry Cavill and one moment they don't. And then they got him and then they maybe don't. And one moment yeah, they got Ben Affleck and then maybe don't. Ben Affleck is, has recently said he wants to do one more Batman movie, which we're all assuming is going to be the the Batman movie that I can't remember the name of the director at this point. It'd be, it'd be fun if, the, if it was just a straight adaptation of like a condensed, solidified, crystallized version of the cartoon The Batman. Where they like modernized <laughs> Batman. Uh, I, th- that'd be kind of. <laughs> 
fun that'd be, to say. That'd be interesting. With like interesting. Joker with really weird hair. Uh, and With dreadlocks, because they're a gang of Jokers. No, it's it's one Joker. Uh, what Batman cartoon am I thinking of? You're that? thinking of Batman Beyond. That was a gang. Um, no, no, no. Oh, you're right. Yes, that's what it but, was. But uh, it does look like dreadlocks on the Joker in, in the Batman as well. Uh, like massive dreadlocks or like it's it's kind of like a non-curly version of uh, Sideshow Bob's hair. Yeah, Bob Terwilliger. Yeah, it's like that, sort of. Anyway. Directed by James Wan, Aquaman has a couple of trailers out. This new five-minute trailer, which is basically a preview, shows full scenes and shows full action scenes where there's this one sequence in it where Arthur, Curry, Aquaman, and Mera are being chased by Black Manta and his troops. It looks like a video game. A little bit. Which is, it looks like a video game a little fine. bit, but at the same time, there are follow cameras in it as far as the one guy running through the building that are visually entertaining. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. I'm not I'm not saying it as a bad thing. I'm just saying it yeah. looks like a video game. <laughs> there are there are heavily CG moments in it that may like you're watching a video game, but at least you're watching an entertaining video game. Yeah. And I think with this, it doesn't look like a spectacular movie, but it definitely looks like a step in the right direction movie it looks fine it looks fun it looks like it it'll be an adventure i don't have hugely high expectations of aquaman i expect to to go see it and be like yeah, it's a good good time yeah i expect to be pleasantly not surprised but entertained expecting to be surprised is a weird thing yeah and then there's shazam in shazam, april which is uh it seems to be uh more of a family film which is a good move it's something that yeah, maybe you should have thought for of that with character. superman absolutely but they were like hey the nolan movies were very adult let's make superman that way and that's why it, it crapped yeah but shazam apparently at least in the trailer is somewhat set in the same universe because there are marks of Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman in the trailer. Yes. It's kind of there, but it definitely looks like a way more fun movie. It also looks like they are taking the storyline directly from the new 52 iteration of the character. Yeah, I mean, I mean um, uh, I've, I've, I've actually read the original, uh, or maybe not the original, maybe it was the, the, the first DC reboot of Captain Marvel. Uh, mm-hmm. Should clarify for for uninitiated listeners that the character now known as Shazam used to be known as Captain Marvel. Captain There's Marvel's. a long, complicated history of DC's Captain Marvel versus Marvel's Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Marvel has has had multiple Captain Marvels. They okay. have had three. And Shazam uh, there's Mar- yeah. is, of course, the original Captain Marvel. Yes, that who DC... lost the name through lots of complicated processes. Yeah, and but, and uh, and it was not created by DC. It was bought by DC after DC no. sued the, uh, the company Fawcett Comics for uh, yeah, copyright infringement Fawcett. because he was too similar to Superman. This was at a time when superheroes were a new thing. Yes, this was uh, well, well back into the 40s and 50s. Yeah, this this was like a year after Superman de- debuted, I think, um, or something like that. Yeah. Might have and, been less than a year. He was Captain Marvel up until Crisis on Infinite Earths, and then the character was changed. Oh, I thought it was New 52, but... No, 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 he, he 
he hadn't he hasn't been called Captain Marvel since the 70s uh, or 80s, uh, whenever Crisis was. I forget um, now. Yeah, I haven't um, been super keeping up since the 70s with the comic. I've, I've read the occasional <laughs> comic, like a storyline or, or something. But like, it's really hard to get into like an interconnected universe late. And I tried to get into the new 52 and I didn't really get into it. I tried to get into Rebirth and it was a lot at the same time. So I couldn't quite get into it. Right. But yeah, I've, I've sort of I've poked my head in the DC comic world every once in a while, but I've mostly been paying attention to the animated side of DC. I've watched every uh, DC animated movie that comes out, although I'm a little bit behind now, I think, uh, because I'm watching them with a friend and we're not always like in the mood to watch DC animated movies. Sure. But, but every once in a while, the, we'll the watch recent ones, the recent ones haven't been spectacular. Uh, they've been mixed, I would say. They've are, been very mixed. Killing, Killing Joke and, and Harley Quinn are, I'll be frank, not good. Uh, uh, I, I, w- I would agree. Not good. Uh, Harley Quinn, I thought was it had some things that I thought were fine, and and Killing Joke, I yeah, thought it had has, some things definitely... that I thought were fine, but I didn't think either of those movies really lived As up a, to a, the level that work. DC animated movies can reach. Exactly, I would agree with that. I did really like Gotham by Gaslight. I, I enjoyed that too. Though, I I believe that though it is very far separated from the comic. Yeah, that's what I heard. I haven't read Gotham by Gaslight. That's like by uh, uh, Mike Mignola, right? Or Mignola? Uh, the covers by Mignola. Oh, uh, I thought I thought he was entirely. Uh, no, no, it's uh, Augustine is the writer on that. I actually have it on my shelf here. But yeah, no, uh, it's it, it's a it was the first Elseworld story before they even called it Elseworlds, hmm. and. It was uh, written by Brian Augustine, and the covers are Mike Mignola. Uh, he he does he does the uh, the art in it too in some of them. Right. Uh, yeah, maybe that's what I was thinking. Pencils. Mike Mignola does the pencils, but Brian Augustine was the writer. Right. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I, I've enjoyed uh, a number of other DC animated movies, and I I'm really looking forward to the return of Young Justice uh, animated series that got delayed yes. because of. I'm guessing because of Titans, because they don't want to overshadow it because they want to build hype yeah. for a show that nobody gives a fuck about. Yeah, that's the other thing that that we should talk about as far as, as DC is DC Universe's online streaming service and what Titans is. <sighs> Yeah, we'll probably get into that. But uh, we were talking about Shazam. We were. And Shazam, to to me, looks very promising. I can't say that I'm like certain it's going to be good because it's a trailer, but it looks good. But it looks fun. It looks entertaining. I love Zachary Levi anyway. And it looks like it has heart, which to me is like the most important thing about DC. The thing that's been missing from all the DC movies. Well, not all of them. Let's Uh, be fair. uh, Uh, Save Wonder Fam. Save Wonder Woman, yes. Yeah, Wonder Woman had it. uh, Moments of Justice League had it. (laughs) The Joss Whedon directed moment. Just as we get it, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Shazam definitely looks very promising. Yeah. Uh, after that, we've got Wonder Woman eighty four. The Joker, is or is the Joker all, coming my, out before that? Maybe I know it's filming, and uh, Wonder Woman is also filming. I thought Wonder Woman eighty four was coming out before Joker. It might be. And I Wonder Woman eighty four, I've not seen a lot of. I've seen uh, none seen of a it. Trailer, obviously. Um, I've seen like maybe a picture or two. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much. What basically, I've seen. I think I've seen, I think I've seen a picture. A picture of Chris. Yeah. Uh, a picture we, of a Chris. A Chris. Pine, probably. Yeah, that would be But uh, anyway, 
the the thing about Wonder Woman 84 is that it takes place, obviously, in the 80s. Yeah. And obviously 1984. Yeah, the year that now, Ghostbusters came out, the year that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the comic book came out. Yeah. Good year for pop All culture. Of these, you know, <laughs> I'm sure great, we'll talk great about those topics. Year. Oh, I'm sure. But the shot of the quote unquote, I, I don't know if it was a promotional shot. I don't know if it was a poster or what, but it's Wonder Woman standing in front of a bunch of TVs. And I'm wondering if 1984 also refers a little bit to the novel 1984, oh, not I'm, just I'm, the era. I'm sure that the it does to set. some extent. That would be really cool if it does and very much an allegory for things that are going on now yeah so so that could be really cool yes but as far as us being ip consultants the question is should they be progressing with the worlds of dc because i almost said dceu as it is currently or what can we do with these upcoming slates after these movies to help improve them and make them something that people are going to want to watch? Yes, and make them more consistent I say this, and, and, and save the brand, let's say. Save the brand, yeah. Uh, because I, I, I think they're on a, a bit movie. of a good track. Right they're, they're on a bit of a good, good track with the three that I've mentioned. Yeah. But after that, we've got Joaquin Phoenix in Joker. I think, I think it's which, pronounced Joaquin, but... Yes. That's that's what I said, Joaquin. He is uh, a decent actor, but sure. he is not who played Joker in the previous DC movies. Well, uh, I, I believe suicide. I believe Joker is an Elseworlds type of thing. And that is what's going to confuse the public. Sure. Here's the thing. Comic book movies aren't just made for comic book readers. That is true. You know, comic book movies serve a dual purpose. They are there for the comic book readers to go to the movies and enjoy and spend money on. It's also meant to be a little bit more broad. Yes. So that people who are not comic book readers can go to these movies, understand them and enjoy them. Yep. You don't need to have read the comics of Iron Man or Spider-Man to enjoy the Marvel movies. That is true. DC movies realize this and don't realize this in the exact opposite ways they should. Do go on. <laughs> they want to make characters that appeal to everyone, but because they miss the hearts of the characters, which is what gets the comic book readers involved in them, they alienate both classes. Yes, except for the the select few who are like just uh, so except for the ones up. we pointed out. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, I so, mean, fans. There are fans of even bad ideas. That's true. <laughs> and let's uh, let's acknowledge are, well, that. And let's let's say fans of of bad ideas are not bad people inherently. They just have bad taste. No, they just have bad taste. I myself admit I like bad movies. Oh, me too. I like bad movies. I, I ju it just bothers me when there are bad movies that misrepresent characters I am predisposed to liking. Exactly. And that is what the major failing for DC's movies is. Oh, by the way, they've also uh, got Birds of Prey uh, in, in uh, pre-production, which could be interesting. You, uh, you mentioned that. Because, yeah. oh, I want to say one thing about Birds of Prey because before we go deep into the future. Because Birds of Prey contains a character named Black Canary. When I was a kid reading DC comics from the 70s, not in the 70s. Uh, I was reading in the 90s, 20-year-old comics. It's a thing. Because I was reading 70s 
uh, DC. Wonder Woman was not a big presence in the Justice League in the 70s. She had her whole mod period where her comic was about, I don't know, fashion or something. So I didn't really know much about Wonder Woman growing up. I knew about a character named Black Canary. Black Canary was the primary female presence in the Justice League comics that I was reading before I got into the Justice League cartoon, which came later. I really would like to see that character done right. That's just a thing I would like to see. I've watched Arrow, and they have done like three different versions of Black Canary, <laughs> none of which have really almost almost four different versions if you count the the mother the, the no I'm not 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 the mother I'm talking about Black Siren oh yeah yeah well that makes it five because obviously the mother is Dinah who is the original Black yeah. Canary in the comics yes yes uh, well and, I mean Laurel's middle name is Dinah so well that's yeah how but they do yeah that. but that's in the comics and then, as well and then uh, the Laurel's supposed to be the, the second and and then they added Sarah and they they of course killed Sarah and brought her back as the White Canary. I like the White Canary. I think the White Canary is a good character, but she's not the same character as the Black Canary. And no, I don't so, think and, any and, of these and characters... And the new Black Canary they have on now, who was a cop and her undercover name, and then her real name happens to be Dinah, and you're like, how many Dinahs are you going to have on this show? Yeah. And... <laughs> <laughs> Arrow is one of those shows that's che- cheesy by trying not to be cheesy. I would classify that as a show that it really wants to be a David Goyer show. <laughs> but it's a Greg Berlanti show, which means it's, you know, ham-fisted and, and uh, obvious. And <laughs> But here's the thing. I still, I got into the DC TV series with Flash and I went back and watched Arrow and enjoyed Arrow when I went back to it. Um, although watching it currently, the I still haven't finished the last season because it just got too much. <laughs> I, I watch all of the Greg Berlanti DC shows, even though I acknowledge that they're all deeply flawed shows. <laughs> but I, yes. I'm, I'm like, I'm desperately clinging to any sort of half decent portrayal of DC characters because I really want DC to succeed. And I want to make that clear to any Zack Snyder fans out there. I am not anti-DC. I love DC fundamentally and I want to see them make good decisions. And that's why we're doing this episode. Exactly. Uh, Same here. So, 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 uh, so here's, here's the thing. The, The slate coming up is Joker, Birds of Prey, and and what else? Uh, well, it, it, this page doesn't really list anything after Birds of Prey, so I don't know, but there's a bunch of things floating around that they may or may not do. Yeah, like there, they've been there's, talking there's about, the uh, rumored... They've been talking about more Batman, more Superman, f- the Flash, uh, Flashpoint movie. And here's... And Flashpoint is where I want to hone in on. This is going to be a major part of this episode, I think, because I think... Well, I mean, we don't have <laughs> to all, say that much about it, really. We've already been talking for an hour. Yeah, but <laughs> we've we're talking, already been talking for an hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think the uh, Flashpoint <laughs> is, in a sense, a potential solution to all of their problems. And at the it same time, a, a bad idea. <laughs> like, it's both a good idea and a bad idea. Because, oh. like, you don't, you can't really start the Flash with Flashpoint. But at the same time, no, you can all. fix the DC Universe with Flashpoint. Exactly. That That is exactly what I was going to say. Because for those unfamiliar with Flashpoint, the comic, Flashpoint is basically how they reset the DC comic universe they did the because same thing of an the event. movies. Uh, they did the Flash yeah. Paradox was the name of the movie. Yeah. And basically it's Barry Allen, the Flash, runs back in time and changes an event in his past where his mother was murdered. Right. And by changing this, this sends a ripple effect through the entire universe. Ruining everything. And changes things. 
ruining everything. Instead of Bruce Wayne's parents being killed by Joe Cool. Joe, Joe Cool? Chill? Joe Chill. I think Joe Cool, and that's Snoopy. <laughs> Joe Chill. It's Bruce who gets killed, and Thomas Wayne becomes Batman. Right. And becomes a more brutal Batman. Right. Superman's ship crashes in Metropolis rather than Smallville, and so he gets taken in by the government and never becomes Superman because he, they keep him locked up to be studied. Right. Stuff like that happens. Becomes, yeah, you know. And Cyborg's in it, but Cyborg's basically Superman, but he's like a government-made hero. And uh, all these other things that basically sends this ripple effect through the through the universe that fundamentally changes the universe. There is no Flash in that universe because Barry Allen never got struck by lightning because he was never being a criminologist because his parents were never killed. Right, but he's there now because he ran from a parallel world, essentially. A, because a, he ran a from different a parallel timeline. timeline. Yeah. So the idea of using Flashpoint to sort of soft reboot the series while it's existing. Well, uh, major spoiler alert, it ends with Flash running back and stopping himself from from changing the timeline and that sends smaller ripples which change stuff as well, but not as massively. Yes. And that's how you get a fixed DC universe. Yes, and that's and that's kind of how we got first the new 52 and second Rebirth. Right. Because all of that was tied into Flashpoint in the comics. Yeah. To do that into the movies, to sort of soft reboot things, is an idea. I won't say if it's a good or bad idea. I'll just say it's an idea. Yeah, it is an idea. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not necessarily an, an idea that makes a whole lot of scientific sense. It's not necessarily an idea that has a lot of emotional impact, but it is an idea. Especially since we've only seen The Flash in one movie. Yeah. I mean, he was good to do movie. this To do um, this for The Flash's first movie before we really ever establish his character. Because Justice League kind of like hints at his character, and he's very... Yeah, it's going to take a lot it's, of setup in Act 1. Uh, he's going to have yeah, to run back in time so. at the... F- midpoint of the movie? <laughs> I don't know yeah. exactly how you would structure it. Maybe the midpoint, or maybe just have him run back in time at the first act break. Just have the first act be establish everything, and just have him be really miserable, and then run back in time and fix everything and ruin everything, and then spend the whole But that's what they did with the TV show. The uh, TV show touched on Flashpoint. Yeah, and did kind of the a way they did light. It, they, they did Flashpoint light, because Batman and, and all these other characters don't exist in that universe yet. Right. And so when they ran back and he changed things and that fundamentally changed things in the DC Universe TV shows. Right. In the Berlantiverse. In the Berlantiverse, if we're going to call it that. Snyderverse, Berlantiverse. I hate terms named after directors. Um, <laughs> but, you know, oh, they, Greg Berlanti is a writer it, producer, isn't he? <laughs> it's you're, it's uh, yes, we're splitting hairs here. Yeah. But <laughs> on purpose. But yes, uh, it's, uh, it's what I, the show is for. It's obviously entertaining. Uh, so. So, <laughs> so, but to, but to have him do that on the TV show, the, he he resolved his mistake in the first episode, and then the entire rest of the season was him living with the repercussions of what he called Flashpoint, where he fundamentally changed his own past and then changed it back. But because he changed it back in the way that he did, where he had to stop himself, is what sent different ripples through. Yes. And to do that in the movie without having two seasons of a setup of a character, have that be the first Flash movie, it isn't a great idea. Have that change, maybe change that movie title. Don't let it be just Flashpoint or The Flash Flashpoint. Have it be Justice League Flashpoint. That's one way of doing it. Another way is just calling it The Flash and having Flashpoint be a plot point rather than the entire story. Have it be a plot point at the end 
end of the movie. Near the end of the movie, I would say. At the end of the movie, the same at, way at the Venom was at the, the end of Spider-Man 3. At the climax of the movie. <laughs> yeah, have it be a third act thing. Yeah. Not have it be like the, the, the climax of the movie as he runs back in time and then credits. Yeah, no, no it would be it, the, like, like the big mistake that he's going to have to fix at the end. Yeah. The, the big mistake, I mean, the, 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 the like trying to fix it, ruining it, and then fixing it. There is a certain then, thing of, of built into story structure there. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't absolutely. call it Flashpoint, because if you call it Flashpoint, people are going to expect the entire movie to be that. Yeah, exactly. So it's like there's kind of a it's a trade off. You're either going to do Flashpoint or you're going to do the Flash and have Flashpoint be part of the story. Exactly. And honestly, we need the movie to be about the Flash. We need this character fleshed out. Yes. We need to see him becoming a hero. We need to see his life beyond his little shack that he lives in with his electronics, which is weird. And <laughs> yeah, I don't I, I don't entirely understand what that location was. Yeah, nobody does. I don't think they did. And having him like, not have friends and be awkward and humor that doesn't land. I thought some of it landed. Let's be let's some be of it fair. landed. Uh, uh, don't get me wrong. Some of it landed. And honestly, and, and the Flash some, is and, one of and, my favorite characters in, in Justice League. Yeah, and I thought he but was a, a, time, a fairly decent portrayal of a superhero with possible Asperger's syndrome. Yes. But that said, that's not the the flash <laughs> true it's a it's a different take on the character it's a yeah. it's a take that, i can that, get behind same i'm gonna say uh, it's it's a it's a character that i can enjoy watching yeah i can accept uh, it as a version of barry allen even if it's not like point for point the exact same character as in and the that's cartoon and that's really what a lot of contention with a lot of these pop culture movies are a lot of these comic book movies is that people are like well that's not how that character will act no because it's a different version now saying that we had already just said that about superman yeah, but fundamentally, <laughs> well, the thing is, is the, the thing is, it's all about like, what is the core aspects of the character versus what are things you can play around with? Like, exactly. if you look at a character like Superman, it's like, are there things you can play around with with Superman? Are there things you can't play around with? I would say the core, like moral philosophy of Superman is stuff you don't mess with. But like moral philosophy, yes, the you know, specific the personality of the quirks of Superman, you can bend and do stuff with like you can go, oh, is yeah. he? Is he actually clumsy because he's distracted by other stuff or is he pretending to be clumsy because it, it helps him with his cover? Like stuff like that is stuff you can play with. With Barry yeah, Allen, I think like there are certain core aspects, like the things that he cares about that drives him that you can't really bend too much. But then stuff like, does he have Asperger's syndrome? Well, like, yeah, I'd buy it. Like, I'm OK with that. Yeah, exactly. You know, because we, we don't we don't. And the thing is, we don't get to see any of what drives Barry in Justice League because we barely get a hint of him wanting to do right because his dad was wrongly convicted for the murder of his mother. We yeah. get I mean, with Billy with Billy Crudup playing his father, Henry Allen. We get a bare snippet of that. And we there was also a deleted scene of him saving Iris. These are backstory things that they couldn't fit into Justice League because the movie was already overblown as it was. Yes. And these are what we, the core elements of the character that they had there at least for him that makes it, yes, it's the heart of the character. It's the, the purpose of the character, the things that you don't bend on. And having those made that believable for the version of it that they put out there. Yeah. And I think building on those is where the film needs to go if they actually end up doing a Flash film. Because Lord knows they've had three different directors all jump ship from a thing that I don't think even has a script yet. Yeah, that is alarming. And also uh, on the page that I was looking at with the list of DC movies, 
movies, it was not on there. <laughs> so I guess it's possibly uh, confirmed, possibly unconfirmed that they're doing a Flashpoint movie. But I guess we'll <laughs> we'll have to see. But it is a possibility they, they, that they can fix everything with that movie. So a lot rests on it in a way. Yeah, definitely. But I, I think the, the Joker movie will serve to complicate things. I think it will as well. And not only because it breaks away from the continuity, because I think the fact that they're now calling it Worlds of DC is a sign that they're aiming toward possibly playing around having else world stories yeah multiverse so that thing is like i'm not too worried about that aspect of it because i think that can work but i don't like the idea of a quote-unquote joker origin movie because to me oh no absolutely not the the best part of joker is that we don't know his origin yeah because because the thing is the joker is an unknown quantity he's he's this guy who shows up and does stuff And you're like, why are you doing this? Who hurt you? And it's like, it's good that we don't know who hurt him because that's more in the question is more interesting than the answer. And it's like, it's like Batman. (laughs) Batman is a genius detective. He can solve any mystery, but he doesn't know who the fuck the Joker is. And if he doesn't know who the Joker is, we don't need to know who the Joker is. We don't need to know stuff that Batman doesn't know about because it all centers around Batman in in Batman stories. And the Joker is all about Batman. The Joker exists as a counterpoint to Batman. So to make a story that not only is a Joker story without Batman, but is a Joker story that tells the origin of the Joker that Batman doesn't know about is like it seems pretty pointless. It's kind of I'm sorry to break off from the main topic, but X-Men Origins Wolverine. And this is something I've talked about before in a video that does not exist anymore because it was on blip.tv and it has <laughs> disappeared. Uh, I still have it on my hard drive probably, but uh, I went I went on uh, long rants about what's wrong with X-Men Origins Wolverine. And I would say the main thing that's wrong with X-Men Origins Wolverine is a thing that people don't talk about, which is it answers a mystery that is entirely built around what a character wants to know. And it ends with that character not knowing the answers. So it's giving us essentially spoilers to a mystery story, right? Because Wolverine's story is built around this idea of like, he doesn't know. He doesn't know who he used to be. He doesn't know if he volunteered or was forced into it. He doesn't know why he is what he is now. He doesn't know why he's angry all the time. He doesn't know what they made of him or why. He doesn't know these things. And if he doesn't know these things, we shouldn't know these things. Because there's the possibility that someday you could potentially tell the story of him finding these things out and having to make a choice like, do I want these memories put back into my head and risk becoming the person I was before who might not be a person I like? Or do I choose not to have these memories put back into my head and never really fully know myself? Like that's that's an interesting psychological question uh, and a philosophical question. And and that question can't be asked and answered anymore because the story has been spoiled by that fucking movie. So that movie (laughs) essentially ruined Wolverine. Of course, Logan, good movie, but it's not the end point that was set up for that character because the end point that was set up for that character was him going and finding the answers or looking for the answers but, and choosing not to accept them. But here's but here's the thing that bringing that up brings up for me is that the X-Men universe had a soft reboot uh, they, in the way that I would DC say the are X-Men, kind of trying to do. I would say the X-Men movies are constantly having soft reboots because they have no canon. Uh, <laughs> they are like, 
uh, Red Dwarf in that there is no such thing as canon. I fully expect X-Men movies to contradict each other. I have no expectation of X-Men movies as long as they are in anywhere connected to the two continuities that they've done so far. I say continuities very loosely because there's no continuity. Uh, there's no continuity. And here's the thing. They... They started to have a continuity because they had the first three movies and the first three movies were only meant to be three movies. And the third movie tried to put everything in the third movie. Yeah. And then they were like, well, these were popular. Let's let's do another one. So they did a Wolverine Origins, uh, which was not a good choice. Uh, Although I would say they also went wrong in in the third one in a lot of ways. No, no, they went very wrong in the third one. But continuity wise, they majorly went wrong in in X-Men Origins Wolverine. Uh, Sure. But they course corrected with first class first class first class was set before everything and we're like okay these are clearly first class is clearly building up to make them the characters we knew from the previous movies then days of future past did an actual retcon did a comics retcon yeah, they where rewrote history. They flashpointed it. They flashpointed it. And that was my point, is that the previous four X-Men movies, X-Men 1, 2, 3, and Wolverine Origins, now do not exist in this universe. Right. Because Days of Future Past has rewritten that. True. Which is weird, because between Wolverine Origins, then First Class, and between First Class and Days of Future Past was the Wolverine. Yeah. And the end scene of the Wolverine is Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen as Xavier and Magneto pick him up from the airport at, to do Days of Future Past. And that's set in the early 2000s. And then suddenly Days of Future Past is in like 2075. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, th- that's what I mean when I say there's no canon in X-Men. No, um, there's. The canon is such an open barrel; you could fit a country in it. Yeah, it's 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 loose canon. X Men is a loose canon, uh, but that's not DC. <laughs> but the thing is, no. DC, but my point is, DC my so far, is, is, DC so far is doing that because Justice League, of course, contradicted Batman v Superman and Man of Steel by going, "Oh, everybody loved Superman." Yeah, exactly. So, so we're already but in that v. territory. Superman, Batman v Superman almost set that up a little bit. I mean, he had a statue in the middle of the city. Yeah. Whereas, like, wait, why would you build a monument to the man who caused all that destruction. <laughs> yeah. That was weird. So yeah, that the, they're they're already in kind of X-Men territory in terms of like not having canon. But yeah, they can I'm make they X-Men can make a canon. thing that they should be emulating. <laughs> well, yeah, no. The X-Men the X-Men model is not a good a model, model you should follow. to do. We we have movies in a row that happen in four different decades and the characters don't age between them. Yeah. Don't follow this model. Yeah, no, it's it's if you want to build a continuity, you can't model it after negative continuity. Yeah, but but I think the the idea of doing an in-universe soft reboot like they kind of did with Days of Future Past is what they're aiming for, or at least they might should be aiming for it. Yeah, Uh, because honestly, we don't know because Flashpoint isn't a thing yet. Yeah, and it might never be a thing. It might never be a thing. So as far as us being IP consultants, are we going to now give them suggestions for what they should do? I, I uh, think that's the, the point the of that the they have. Uh, I, obviously, I know, but I'm giving you a setup is what I'm saying. Well, the movies, <laughs> the, the movies that are already being made, uh, they're being made. There's nothing we can do about the movies being made. We could go back really? and go, oh, here's how you fix Man of Steel. Like, I've got it's ideas. Pointless. No, it's out. We did, there's no point to doing that. Yeah, we might do it in the future. If we run out of ideas, we might start giving ideas ideas of how to fix things that are already too late. (laughs) But in terms of what they're doing, 
Uh, Aquaman looks fine. Shazam looks promising. Joker, bad idea, but let's ignore it. Wonder Woman 1984, <laughs> I, I have fairly high hopes because, I mean, Patty Jenkins knows what she's doing. I, I trust her at this point. Birds of Prey, I have no idea what to expect of that, but I'm hoping for the best. In terms they've, of. They've got full cast. Yeah, in terms of Flashpoint, they could do that. And if they do it well, it could work. It could work very well. It could fix everything. I would say on the list of things to do, I would list Flashpoint as an option. Although I would perhaps recommend either doing it as two movies and doing just The Flash and then Flashpoint or yes. doing The Flash with Flashpoint as a plot point later in the movie. Yeah, exactly. And not and calling that, it Flashpoint because that's going to disappoint people who are looking for a Flashpoint movie. There's already a Flashpoint exactly. movie. It's called The Flashpoint Paradox. It's fine. And But that's a different universe. That's their animated universe. Yes, it is. But, but in terms yes, of like seeing that movie, in, in terms of seeing that story on screen, it exists. You can see that yeah, it, story on screen. Let's, um, let's not call this Flashpoint, basically. Yeah, they can do that. That's an option. Another option is to really expand the uh, multiverse and just go nuts with it and just go, OK, here's a completely different Batman. Here's a completely different Superman. And just basically just throw everything at us and just go, let's just try shit and then go, OK, now we have a good Superman. Now we have a good Batman. Let's do uh, an infinite crisis event and just merge the universes that work and have this Superman <laughs> and this Batman and this Wonder Woman and this Birds of Prey and just sort of have have it be like, oh, yeah, now we have a solid DC universe. Like, that's a thing they could do. They could do try everything and then do crisis. They could do Flashpoint and just and, try and, to get everything right right away. There's, and here's the thing. Even, even with crisis, they could finally pull in the DC shows. They could. A lot yeah, of people, absolutely. a lot of people, what a lot of people hated about what DC was doing initially is because they had a green arrow. They had a flash. They had all these other characters. They had sort of a green arrow. From, they had a flash. Yeah. Well, yeah, they had they had an arrow, not a green arrow, but they had a, an arrow. And to do these movies without those actors, after seeing people cross over in the Marvel stuff, only further upset and confused the public. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe Crisis could pull those universes together and make everything cohesive. Yeah, I absolutely um, would like to see that. I would like to see if they do like a, a like a, a an infinite Crisis movie event like a two movie event of infinite crisis they could bring in gotham they could bring in well the, i already i already brave and the bold brave and the bold batman <laughs> played live action by diedrich bader by the way diedrich bader is voicing batman in the harley quinn animated series that's going to dc universe yeah i, I noticed that when i watched the trailer i recognize his voice um <laughs> same here <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, yeah, he's he's a solid comedy Batman. Yeah, which is which is a thing. Comedy Batman. Yeah, comedy Batman is a thing. Um, and I I would like to see like a, a live action comedy Batman TV show with like John Hamm or something. Uh, that'd be cool. But yeah, comedy Batman is a thing, and they've tried that before. They've they've tried it and done it well, and they've tried it and done it not well. Uh, Batman and Robin didn't work. Lego Batman worked. Uh, Batman sixty six mm -hmm. worked. Uh, Brave and the Bold worked. So like, comedy Batman can work. It doesn't always Absolutely. work. Absolutely, it's all about always. doing it well and knowing what the hell you're doing and not like mixing things that don't go together. Unless that's, and that's the, the whole. Point. That's the whole problem with with the DC, the worlds of DC, is they're mixing things that don't go together. Yeah. And the thing is, do they lean into that or do they lean away from that? Because they could lean into that and just go nuts with it and, and just amp it up to like to the point where it circles back around. 
Uh, and just- here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think the best way to improve the DC movie universe is to not have the continuity. I think all these movies should just be standalone hero pictures. Yes, they're all DC. And yes, they should have the hints of, yeah, okay, by the way, you know, Flash is two cities over or Batman's in Gotham, etc. But not having cameos in those movies, just hints at them. Because that's what they're doing with, with Shazam. They couldn't get Henry Cavill to do a Superman cameo in that movie. But there are items. There's a Batman article or somebody has no, found a Batman. No, I think a Superman, his, Superman article it's a Superman and a Batman and, and an Aquaman yeah. shirt. I don't know who makes the Aquaman shirts in universe. Like, I want to know what t-shirt company was like, yeah, this, this guy who was in this one place this one time when stuff was happening is it's warner brothers warner brothers exists in the (laughs) warner brothers universe and Um, they make aquaman shirts (laughs) they apparently make aquaman shirts okay so yeah because that that confused me a little bit having the hints to those things is better than than having the cameos because it you're like oh that's a nod that just makes us know that they exist in the same universe yeah well having a justice league movie after all of those things just having those movies just exist as movies so that you don't need to see all these other films to understand what the fuck is going on in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if 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 we're talking like a hard reboot from the start, you start off with like, you know, you, you got your Wonder Woman and your Superman and your Batman and you get those right. And you and you do your maybe a, a Black Canary movie because no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm saying not even not even doing those yet because of what's already come out. We've got let's let's just say that the things that have come out before, those are the things that came out before. We're, Aquaman is just let's just start it again with Aquaman and Shazam. And they have things that point to things that have happened but we were not going to delve into them. Wonder Woman 84 is clearly a sequel to the previous Wonder Woman movie. Yes. But, uh, okay, that's fine. That's great. You can see the previous Wonder Woman movie, and there's not really anything in that movie that makes you go, are these other movies I have things I have to see? No, you don't have to see them. You can enjoy Wonder Woman without seeing Batman versus Superman. Right. So, you know, let's, let's let these movies stand as their own movies. I absolutely agree with that. However, I will also add that... There is a question that arises eventually, which is once you've done all these movies that work, like once you've done like, oh, yeah, we've done two Wonder Woman movies that worked great. We've done a Shazam movie, worked great. We've done Aquaman. People loved it. Uh, We've done The Flash and it wasn't Flashpoint. It was just a good Flash movie with the same Flash from the Justice League movie. But we didn't reference the Flash movie. Like once you've done all that. Exactly. And and after doing all that, then do, then do the Batman, and then do a movie, not Man of Steel 2, do Superman. Yeah, oh, Do oh. these characters the right way, right. ignoring the previous movies. Yeah. That's what they did with Highlander 3. They ignored Highlander 2 because it was a piece of shit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the, the, the thing I was getting to is when you get to that point and then you go, okay, now we can do a Justice League movie, then you have to ask yourself, well, there was already a Justice League movie. Do we... Do we pretend that that didn't happen or do we do we in universe erase it from continuity or do we do parallel universe jiggery pokery to make it so that it makes sense? Like there are options to how to make things make sense. I think the only way to make it make sense is to completely ignore it. To to just ignore it until people forget it. Ignore until it goes away. Exactly. 
Exactly. Get let do do DC solo movies for let's say five years and five years of solid solo stories with hints at a larger universe without making the larger universe because that's exactly how Marvel did it. They gave us hints at a larger universe yep. without directly saying, "Oh, by the way, this is going to connect in this big movie where everybody teams up." Well, they did. They did have Iron Man show up in Hulk, but yes. then they had that, a different was, Hulk show up in the Avengers. But that was hints. Yes. Okay, that was that was little teases after the fucking credits. Yep. that's not in the movie proper. Yeah. You can still watch the movie and enjoy it, and not see that. And know that you're not missing, yes. quote, quote, anything. That's so make solid solo DC movies and give it maybe five years so that those previous movies have been forgotten and then just make a new Justice League, make a new Superman. Because using another example of what's happening, the new Halloween movie coming out this month yeah. is... The new Halloween 2. Yeah, it's, a, it's just I've, called Halloween. Now they we're getting back into the glossary because I thought of this recently and I would call this a system restore. Uh, you yes. Know, you know how a reboot is when you, you start over from the top and you ignore everything and you go, let's just start over. That's a hard reboot. A system restore is what, when you go, uh, oh, these sorry, early ones, that happened. These later ones... D didn't happen. Uh, uh huh. Uh, I would call that a system restore, where you restore it to an earlier point. There are other things that have done that. Um, I uh, Highlander does it. Uh, Highlander. Uh, I don't know why I'm Highlander twice, but uh, there was, was there was another uh, thing. Online. Kind of. Oh, uh, Terminator's doing that. Yes, they're doing a new Terminator three. Right. Basically, yes. This is the th this will make the third Terminator three because there is Terminator three that James Cameron had nothing to do with. Right. And Linda Hamilton had nothing to do with. And then there was Terminator: The Sarah Connor Chronicles. Right. Which takes place right after Terminator two, and then retcons Terminator three completely out of the the continuity. And then now there's the new movie, The Terminator, which or actually I think it's just Terminator because I think the first movie was called The Terminator. Yeah. Terminator, which James Cameron and Linda Hamilton are back in yep. and basically doing their version of, of Terminator 3 ignoring the other movies. And it happens all across media now where they're going, you know what? We're going to pretend that one doesn't it didn't exist. Superman kind of did it once too. With Superman Returns, kind of yeah. acknowledge Superman, Superman and Superman, Superman 2, but not Superman 3 yes, and 4. Superman Returns just, just ignores 3 and 4. Yeah. But again, this is what we're saying is do solo movies until the other ones are forgotten so that you can make these new movies and go, yeah, those ones, they didn't count. Yeah. They started to count and then we realized they were shit. So we're not counting. And in the meantime, you can do TV shows where you can, yes. where you can explore characters you would otherwise put on the shelf. Like you could do a TV show of Superman. You could do a TV show of Batman. Yeah. It's not like these are super expensive concepts to nail. I mean, they're expensive in terms of owning the rights to them, but they own the rights to them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think that's that's probably the best solution is to go, all right, we've got these movies coming out. They're kind of connected to the other things. But honestly, let's make them their own thing. Let's just keep moving forward. Let's not look back on what we did. And we're going to move forward enough to go, you know what? Now is when we can spin off into making everything come together. Yeah. And uh, do we get into the specifics of of specific movies or no, that's that's for a later episode, right? Where we can yeah, like, go, OK, here's what the eventual Superman movie should be or whatever. Exactly. No, no, that's that's not for this. This is just 
make good movies. Yeah. Stop trying to make everything together. Stop trying to make a good franchise and yeah. just make good movies. Yeah, one movie at a time. The problem with the DC movies is that every single one of them, with one or two exceptions, like Wonder Woman, are written specifically to be part of this bigger picture. And they're not good at that. <laughs> just write the movie that you're writing. Don't write it to connect it to another movie. Yeah. Just write the movie you're writing. Make that a good and entertaining movie. Make that a movie people want to see yeah, so I, that I, they I, will be inspired to see the next movie of a different hero. Yeah, I think everybody should learn from the Dark Universe in that <laughs> you, you can't really make movies by making a franchise. You can make a a franchise out of movies because that's yes. what Marvel's been doing and it's been working pretty well for them. And I'm not uh, saying yeah. that because the, the, because the Marvel can't do any wrong, but because they've been making some decent decisions and I'd like to see those kinds of decisions being made by others as well, but not necessarily the same decisions. Just yeah, don't make similarly same good ones. Similarly good ones, exactly. The whole failing with The Mummy was that movie wasn't a movie. That movie was a setup for other movies and it completely failed on every aspect i did not see it it's, but i heard enough about it to sort of piece it together yeah it's like it's like the second pirates of the caribbean movie the second pirates of the caribbean movie isn't a movie it is just a two-hour prologue to pirates of the caribbean 3 which is uh also what could be said for the second matrix movie um yes and in a way, I think a prologue to the other movie. Yeah, I think in a way There's that no could also be said about it's, the second Star Wars movie if you stretch it a little bit. Although that was better executed than a lot of other executed. But yes, basically what we're saying is stop trying to make everything connected. Just make good movies and then connect them because it. If you lay the groundwork of hints rather than blatant yeah, in your face beyond signs. I think the key is making things connectable rather than connected. Exactly. You can't Very really well start out with the connection. You got to start out with making a good movie that could potentially be connected to other things. So when you make a new, let's say, Batman movie, you go, okay, let's make sure we get Batman right so that longtime fans of different versions of Batman will understand that this is a recognizable character in terms of like, this is Batman in every sense of the word. And then you go, okay, so it takes place in a world that we are happy with and that works. And then you can go, okay, now he meets Superman. When you have a Superman who works, who is Superman in a recognizable sense, then you can go, oh, look, it's Batman and it's Superman and they're super friends. Perfect. I absolutely 100% agree with that. And I think that's a good place for us to stop. Uh, yeah, I think there's not a whole lot more to say broad strokes. I think everything else that is to say about DC movies going forward is specifics. And we yes, promise exactly. not to do that this episode. Not this episode, because honestly, we've been talking for well over an hour. <laughs> and I'm starting to lose my voice. So yes, we are your IP consultants. If you have a suggestion for something we should consult on, you can send us an email at ipconsultantspodcast at gmail.com or you can hit us up on Twitter at ipconsultpod. We also have a Facebook page, which is ipconsultantspodcast. You can search for it by facebook.com slash ipconsultpod. I have been Ian. And I've been Vincent. And we are your IP consultants. Tune in next episode. Thanks very much. Bye. Yeah.